0: favorite things uh it's been a couple weeks we apologize uh we kind of spent a little bit of time in a hospital yeah. this past week
1: yeah, i thought it sounded like a fun idea
0: so yeah next time we're <laughs> gonna do a weekend away i picked the location um you didn't like my my
1: exotic destination
0: nope um mm-hmm. yeah uh,
1: okay, i didn't either
0: they kept so, poking me So, anyhow, uh, if you weren't aware, we were in the hospital this past week uh, with some stuff. Everything seems to be on the mend. Uh, But because of that and Paper Thin Hospital Walls, we decided not to record (laughs) a podcast last week. Yeah. Um, Between that and uh, some thoughts on the Ghostbusters 2016 reboot um, that didn't feel like they were the most positive, Uh, I thought it might be good to... Rope uh, the Ghostbusters 2016 uh, reboot into this week, and uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But in the meantime, uh, Betsy, this past week, has there been anything you've been enjoying?
1: Well, while I was laying there in that hospital bed, I enjoyed many hours worth of Hallmark Christmas movies.
0: Of course, you did.
1: Yes. Um... I have learned one thing, big thing, a couple things about Hallmark, what Hallmark movies, and the people that make them are from Canada. Yes. And so they think that in the southeast United States, this is what, we southeast, right? Yes. Where it might snow once a year, they think it snows from Thanksgiving on past Christmas.
0: So I'm pretty sure that they believe that people in Tennessee I think that they think that Tennessee is a section in Maine. Yeah. Um,
1: it's like, I'm like, they don't understand that if it snows here, that everything shuts down. School buses yeah. don't run. Because it's like, school buses were going, oh, this must well, be that,
0: Memphis. that wouldn't be charming like a Hallmark movie. Oh,
1: yeah. And then the other thing is, no matter what you're doing, where you're at, everybody um, in these movies drinks gobs and gobs of hot chocolate. hmm there was only one movie where at one point they did coffee instead of hot chocolate, but that was a very short time.
0: Which is incredibly impressive because everyone in these movies, even the ugly people, are supermodels. Yeah. And...
1: Sorry. They don't drink that much hot chocolate.
0: And if they were drinking that much uh-huh. hot chocolate in actuality, everyone would be pre-diabetic.
1: Yeah. Like, their, their big thing was the best place to get hot chocolate and all that. I'm like... Yeah, there's coffee shops on every corner. It's reality. Mm-hmm. Um, people go there they're not all just drinking hot chocolate mostly they're drinking lattes and yep. hot chocolate is just not it's good but it's not something adults just drink in gobs no matter what time of year it
0: is mm-hmm.
1: anyway but no I enjoyed every cheesy little aspect of it
0: I'm, I'm glad you were able to get some time to do that and actually get some enjoyment out of it in spite of the situation that, yeah. that put you in that opportune yeah. position um for me, I've really been enjoying the new series on Netflix, Arcane. Um, so for those of you who don't know anything about it, uh it's a it's an animated series uh based on a video game called League of Legends. I have never played this game. I've heard music from it. It's apparently one of the world's largest uh audience video games. Um like tens and millions of people either play or watch people play this game like every day. And again, no, next to nothing about it. Have no idea how to play the type of game that it is a mobile online battle arena. Um, but it's a fantasy setting and it's got people who have supernatural ability. So I'm in right off the bat. It's, it's got an interesting artistic design to where it's, kind of a, an oil painting in motion basically it's a 3d animated mixed with some 2d animation and it just works really really well and then the plot i found really really compelling and so i know nothing about the games i have no idea if there's any accuracy to the games whatsoever but i have thoroughly enjoyed it to the point that i'm looking up all the people involved in it and a lot of the people doing it, including the one of the show's composers, this is their first credited uh, IMDb uh, credit. Uh, this is like I'm guessing they've worked on maybe game stuff or programming or other things before, but they've never done anything to this level that it got an IMDb credit. And so it's right out of the gate for especially for a Netflix animated project. I've been very very impressed. Um, So, I've been enjoying that. Uh, Checked out the first episode of the Cowboy Bebop uh, live-action show. And I told you this morning, um, my basic opinion of it, and I'll share it on the air, it's, I I have the same opinion with it that I have of the live-action Disney movie remakes. And that's, they're interesting in that they're, they're, it's fun to see something 2D made longer and and brought to to the big screen by by live action people Um, but by making it longer by basically redoing exactly what was done on the small screen in animated form and making it longer it's it doesn't flow as well it it works but it's not as good as the original and it's, it's not bad. It's actually quite good for a, a sci-fi action property. It just... In the same way that I feel like uh, the Beauty of the Beast uh, reboot that came out in 2016 is nowhere near as good as Beauty and the Beast 1991, I believe that Cowboy Bebop 2021 is nowhere near as good as Cowboy Bebop 1998. Um, and that's just personal opinion. Um yeah. Some people will enjoy it more, and I fully respect those people. Because you're watching, for a lot of people, anime is a turnoff. I, I get if the live action actually does it better for you, and I appreciate that for you. For me, 30 minutes in and out for something like this is perfect. Whereas 45 minutes, I was like, uh, you're stretching it. You're, you're really... Trying to to hold my attention for this full forty five minutes, whereas those twenty two minute in and out episodes, they just they keep you the whole time. Yeah. So. I know, and I'm the I'm the
1: person that I like the remakes of the Disney movies
0: better than the original. Uh, they're they're okay, but they're so tight in the original ninety minute format, or even less than ninety minute in some cases. Yeah. We'll have to do an episode one day where we go through the the originals and the live action remakes and we talk about the the positives and the negatives yeah. but uh that's not today. Not today bad. what we are talking about is we're going to be talking about a tale of two Ghostbusters films. Uh and we have the 2016 reboot and we have uh Ghostbusters Afterlife which in and of itself is yet another soft reboot. And these two films couldn't be more different from each other, but they're both basically trying to do the same thing. And the idea is taking a franchise that has been largely dormant since the late '80s and making it relevant for a 21st century audience. And we'll we'll talk about them each in in part, and we'll we'll break it down in, in large picture format and then we'll go into each one individually um, and we might not even do that we might talk about them in lumps because I want to be more positive than negative yeah um, so Ghostbusters 2016 I enjoyed it back when I saw it when it came on video late 2016 early 2017 I did not see it in theaters uh, also at that point it had been a while since I'd seen any of the original Ghostbusters film and I enjoyed it. It, it mm-hmm. was it was, it was fun. It was fun for what it was. It was two hours, and to be fully honest, I remember remembered very little of it other than having a good time. Yeah. Watching it this past time, one of the worst things I could have done is watching it right after watching Ghostbusters <laughs> one and two. And, um, I was struggling to put my finger on why. Ghostbusters 2016 didn't work for me because when I watched it before the things that stood out to me were the ladies uh, all four of the female leads were incredibly funny and and they've got great charisma um, and a lot of the special effects really worked for me and I was like why isn't this working for me and I was able to kind of formulate a rough opinion not super detailed but that it came down to It never really picks the lane that it wants to be in. It never fully commits to just being a comedy that has Ghostbusters stuff in it. And it never fully commits to being a Ghostbusters movie. It never fully commits to the world it's in. The rules keep being broken. No rules actually live all the way through the movie. And what it felt like was it it felt like an improv exercise where they did a a a two-hour improv session about being ghostbusters and by a strange coincidence sony gave them the uh gave them the the license and and let them run wild with it and it kind of played that way if if you ever um listen to long form improv uh, on either Comedy Bang Bang or Improv for Humans where you have these very talented improv actors doing scenes together uh, sure they're funny uh, especially in, in small sections but over long periods of time they start to break down and they, there's no continuity in it Yeah, and it's very funny moment to moment but when you look at the cohesive pull you're like this is a mess yeah and that's the way I felt about Ghostbusters 2016 and another thing that did it a disservice was it so much felt like they were doing Cliff Notes Ghostbusters so alright we have to have four scientists that get kicked out of a university uh, that go uh, hunting ghosts and there's a smart one there's the there's the street wise black person uh, which is kind of a racist trope um there's the uh there's the the heart and soul of the group and then there's the uh there's the charismatic lead and they literally beat for beat try to hit the points of the ghostbusters movie and then they go out of their way to do the opposite of what happens in the 1984 film but by doing it by doing the Making the choice to do the polar opposite of it just so that they can say that they're not doing what they did in the nineteen, 19- it hangs a hat on the fact that they're literally making the same decisions from the nineteen eighty four film, and I felt like it did a, it did a disservice to the writers of the movie, the director of the film, the actresses. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, I feel like, is wasted in. Yeah. Uh, in this movie as a comic relief character who has some really, really funny moments, but he just never it never goes where it could. Yeah. And it's such a waste because there are genuinely funny uh, moments in that film and uh, the movies that Paul Feig and a lot of these other uh, actresses and actors have done right around this film are so much funnier and more cohesive and I feel like the Greatest sadness is they might have been inhibited by the Ghostbusters brand on this. Like they might have been able to make a funnier movie removed from the Ghostbusters franchise, or if they didn't feel like they had to make another pulpy comedy, they could have made their own version of Ghostbusters. Yeah. And because they were trying to to do um, everything, they they didn't really accomplish much of anything yeah um and it just as a whole product especially in close proximity to the other ghostbusters movies it it didn't work for me i'm i'm hoping that the next time i see it will be years down the line and way away from watching the other ghostbusters movies because i think i might enjoy it more yeah but in proximity to the ghostbusters um films Ghostbusters 1 and 2 it just really didn't work for me and uh, I think that one of the things that makes that worse is even in their ad campaign they talk about 30 years ago four men stop the yeah. and it's not related to it at all it's a complete reboot it's right. a it's a complete restart but the ad campaign was oh this is 20, this is 30 years later Yeah. and it It was just mishandled. And I feel bad for everyone involved. And um, there are a lot of people who have very strong opinions about um, Ghostbusters uh, not being allowed to be women. And uh, you people are sexists. And (laughs) uh, jerks. Um, And... There are a lot of reasons this movie doesn't work. That isn't no, That's not one of them. That's not one of them. No. The this movie has very real problems. The casting of these four and I want to say this out loud. All four of the leads in this movie are incredibly funny yes. and have done fantastic work on SNL and in other big screen comedies that are much more successful. This one just it didn't do it for me. And, uh, and there are people that it still does work for. And if you enjoy this, enjoy it. Especially divorced from Ghostbusters 1 and 2. I highly suggest, enjoy this movie. I did the first time I watched yeah. it. This time, it, it was a disservice watching it in line with all the others. Yeah. Um, which was a bummer. But... Yeah,
1: it's, it's, it is still a fun watch. You just it's gotta...
0: it's a fun watch. I, I found myself uh, drifting in attention from it. Yeah. Um, I think part of that was we were watching the extended version, which uh-huh. added stuff that honestly didn't land, um, and so it it just didn't work. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the other disservices about um, about this one that it was a I want to applaud them for trying. It didn't work, but I want to applaud them for trying. And that was whereas Ghostbusters 1984 and 1989 are comedies in the same way that. Most Marvel movies are comedies. Um, this was trying really hard to be something akin to Bridesmaids or The Heat. This uh, this was trying to be a straight up comedy that had Ghostbusters in it. Whereas Ghostbusters has comedy. It comedy is very strong in the movie. It's also an action movie and a horror movie. Yeah, and and so. Where they leaned so hard into the to the comedy, it was honestly, if it had worked, if they had gotten the right mix just right, I think it could have been a hit. It just it didn't make it. Yeah. So, I I don't want to I don't want to bag on it anymore. I don't want to beat a dead horse. Um, it, it's it's a movie that it works until it doesn't, yeah. and then when it hits that point. As with anything else we'll talk about on this podcast, if something's not your favorite, move on. There's plenty out there to enjoy.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. We're going to take a quick break. uh, And when we come back, we're going to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm going to give you a little spoiler. We really liked it. back, and we're talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, released uh, just yesterday, uh, November 18th, 2021, originally due for release in July of 2020, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife is a soft reboot of the Ghostbusters franchise, where Ghostbusters 2016 is a full-on reboot remake This is a soft reboot. Uh, For those of you who are unsure of the definition of a soft reboot versus a full reboot, full reboot means it's all new cast, it's all new uh, directors. You you are going back to the beginning. Uh, Casino Royale, Batman Begins. uh, These are examples of full reboots. Um, Amazing Spider-Man, which we'll be talking about here in a week. Uh, That's a full reboot. Uh, When you start talking about things like uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens uh, or Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, these are soft reboots. You're using the original cast of the film franchise, but you're using them in a more supporting role, typically. Uh, So going into this film full transparency i want to tell you what i expected uh going in based on the trailers uh i'd only seen the the full trailers i hadn't done any of the deep dive videos um from the trailers i was expecting stranger things Mm -hmm. with ghostbusters um i am here to tell you it is not as dark as stranger things yeah um, I was expecting something kind of dark, moody, um, something akin to maybe a Super 8, um, which I really enjoy. Super 8 is easily one of my favorite blockbusters over the past few years. Um, something extremely emotional, like the whole way through, just the way that they were framing the the story and, and playing up on nostalgia. This movie has a lot of heart. It is not... It is not those movies it is yeah. not that weighty it, it has some weight but it's not that weighty i would the films that this movie evoked for me were uh casper uh from 1995 also from 1995 uh jumanji um movies like uh the goonies uh some of the more fun parts of that maybe not the the darker parts of that uh something i've heard people say it's a movie i have not seen but it is on my to watch list is a uh, monster squad uh, monster squad was a 1980s uh film that is about kids fighting the universal monsters like dracula <laughs> frankenstein and stuff and it's Hi. a it's a kid friendly it, it, it's like a kid adventure horror movie yeah. uh and i would i would call this an adventure horror comedy and uh really heavy on the adventure a little bit of horror and a decent amount of comedy without it being honestly a full blown comedy and I gotta be honest this was the Ghostbusters film I wish that had been around when I was a kid Yeah. Um, so my history with Ghostbusters as I've mentioned in the past is I, I saw the cartoon, saw Ghostbusters too, saw the original Ghostbusters movie the Ghostbusters cartoon and the toys were really my anchor point for for it and then Ghostbusters 2 was what we had on VHS. So we we would watch that a lot. Um and Ghostbusters 2 is definitely more kid-friendly than the first one, but it's still trying to be the original Ghostbusters. Yeah. This movie it has its own cast. It is it is Primarily a young cast. Yeah. And it's... It's weird to... How do I say this? It takes plot elements from the original movie. But it uses them in a whole new way. It uses them differently than the original movie. Yeah. And it it tells... I was surprised by how heartwarming this movie was. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to avoid spoilers. We're going to go into full spoilers here in a little bit. Uh, but I want to I give just the briefest of our view and just say, I really, really, really enjoyed this movie to the point that as of right now, November 19th, 2021... This is my favorite movie of the year. It's not the best movie I've seen of the year, <laughs> but it is hands down my favorite movie. It is the best time I had at the movies this year.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and, I, that? and I and I feel like that's saying something. I really enjoyed No Time to Die. I really enjoyed um, Eternals. This movie, I laughed, I cried, I cheered. This was... This was a really, really fun ride. Yeah. Um,
1: and I feel like somebody who is who's never watched Ghostbusters could probably go into it and really enjoy it. Though there are elements of it that I would say better because you know. it. I would say is,
0: watch the first Ghostbusters film. Yeah. And and watch this movie. What I think would surprise a lot of people is this. This is a movie that if you've got a kid age 8 to 13 who likes adventure movies and and TV shows and you're comfortable with them watching the original Ghostbusters, go see this movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, Is there objectionable material? It's PG-13. Yeah. Of course there is. But... If you're willing to watch the original Ghostbusters with your kids, I I don't think that this is any more. It's actually, in a lot of ways, less objectionable yeah. uh, than the original Ghostbusters. But it's also, it's just a really good movie. Yeah, it's um, really good. So I'm trying to, trying to wrap up my thoughts without, <laughs> without getting into spoilers. Um, if. If all you needed to hear from me was whether this was a good movie or not, it is a really, really, really good movie. Um, is it a great movie? I don't know. I think time will tell. Um, but I think it's a great, fun movie. Yeah. And it's it's a great family adventure. Um, and I, I think that's all I've got to say without getting into spoilers. So, if you, were, if you were wanting to go in, spoiler-free, have a great rest of the the time. The rest of the episode is going to be full spoilers. Yeah. We're going to go all in on this plot. We're going to talk about all the surprises, all of the... Uh, at least the stuff that we can remember and pull off of Wikipedia. And uh, honestly, I hope you go see this movie. Um, there's a lot of stuff that feels very samey, and this feels unique right now uh and so yeah if if you have any interest whatsoever go see this movie uh and we'll talk to you later all right i'm guessing because you're still hanging around that you're okay with spoilers but just on the off chance you're not we're going to count down from three (laughs) three to one and then we're going to go in full spoilers all right this is by you continuing to listen you agreeing that I'm not spoiling anything that you're not wanting spoiled? If you're... Seriously, though, we're, we're going to get into it. So, counting down. Three, two, one. Full spoilers. Harold Ramis is in this movie. For those of you who do not know, Harold Ramis, Egon from Ghostbusters 1 and 2, uh, and the Ghostbusters video game, died in 2014. In Ghostbusters 2016, he has a cameo as a bust in uh, the hallway of a university. Um, They use the same magic tricks from films like Star Wars Rogue One, uh, Captain America Civil War, these films where they have recreated people digitally. And it is the best use of that I have seen. Yes. Um, it is the best use of it because he doesn't speak. But it is the best use of of that technology to where a deceased actor is able to appear in a film and it really works. For me, there might be people that are taken out of it. I'm sorry that you are heartless and, and just full of worms. But... Egon is one of my favorite characters. I've always been since the fourth grade, I've been the kid with glasses and I've always been taller than everyone else. And so, Egon was the character I connected with because he was the nerdy kind of off character. Mm -hmm. And so, the thought of the original Ghostbusters appear in this film. uh, Again, full spoilers. But the thought of having a Ghostbusters movie without Egon was kind of sad to me. Yeah. And the beginning of this movie, Egon is a central character, which is astounding. Yeah. So we're, we're going to get full on into the plot, but the, the whole story revolves around Egon dies, Egon's uh, estranged daughter and children uh, come to his house, and adventures and mysteries abound. So, um, gosh, I'm, I'm trying to think, do I just need to dive into the plot of, of this movie? Uh, so the, the movie starts and there's a, a big, there's a big showdown of some sort on, on a mountain out in this, it's Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma town and... His truck drives away and you have this character in silhouette and we figure out very quickly it's Egon um, but he gets into a big ghost fight uh, all of his tools fail him and he goes and is eventually killed by uh, a dark malevolent force that we won't find out about until later in the movie and it's actually kind of a, a grabbing uh, a gripping uh, opening for the yeah. for the film, because I was sitting there and I was like, "Is that Egon?" Is
1: so until almost I did not know who that was until they figured it out. Yeah, who he was. So I at the beginning, I did not I did not know who who that was. I was just you know I was trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah. So, um, the movie moves ahead. Uh, th- by the way, this whole movie. It, it's not Egon dies and then a few years later. Like, within the week yeah. his daughter's notified that he's dead. Uh, she is long estranged, has two kids, Trevor and Phoebe, uh, played by Finn Wolfhard and McKenna Grace. It took me a second to, to remember who they were. But they're being evicted and so they're just, they're kind of down on their luck. They They kind of move from place to place. They don't really have they don't really have family. They don't really have a place. They just kind of get by. And so they come to Somerville, uh, Oklahoma, which is where Egon was apparently the town like pariah. He was known as the dirt farmer. Yeah. Um, no one knows his name. The name Egon isn't said until about halfway through the movie. Uh, but they get to this town and they find out um, that. Uh, they find out that it's a—it's kind of a strange town. It's just in the middle of nowhere. The—the uh, the main thing that everyone seems to notice is the old mine up on the mountain uh, from the Shandor Mining Company. Uh, for those of you who are paying attention, Ibo Shandor was the one who built Dana Barrett's uh, apartment building from the first Ghostbusters. Uh, so in this town, they have these random earthquakes. For no apparent reason, uh, it's around this time uh, that we're introduced to uh, Paul Rudd as Gary, uh, Phoebe's Phoebe's teacher.
1: What was his name
0: again, Gary? Uh, Gary Gruberson.
1: Gary Gruberson.
0: Yeah, it's an awful name, uh, <laughs> but he uh, he's the school science teacher, but he's a school science teacher in the way that my school computer teachers were uh, computer teachers. Uh, they mostly just watch videos all day. Yeah. And, um, and it's all old horror movies, which I thought was funny. <laughs> um, but while the kids are sitting there watching horror movies, he does uh, work as a seismologist. And uh, Phoebe is a genius. Uh, when we first meet her, she's rewiring her... Uh, her mom's apartment. Um, And then through the opening of the movie, we see uh, Finn Wolfhard, uh, Trevor, we see that he is really good with cars. And so you have these two kids who, in a lot of ways, are more grown up and capable than their mom, uh, Callie, who her main identifying feature in this movie is that She's fed up. Uh, She's fed up and she likes to drink. Yeah. And um, this movie, if it was made 20 years ago, uh, she would have been a raging alcoholic and abusive. And this movie paints her in a different light. It paints her in the light of she is just trying to cope. Um, So she is exceptionally bitter because her father, Egon, uh, ditched the family and abandoned her and she is um she's just really bit bitter that they arrive at his house and all they have to show for sh- arriving at this house is a bunch of debt that he accumulated. Yeah. Uh the person who passes this along is um uh, Janine Is Janine uh Melts uh Melnitz from uh Ghostbusters 1 played by Annie Potts. Um Uh, fun note, uh, trivia note for all you people who like to watch CBS sitcoms Uh, McKenna Grace uh, played Young Sheldon's uh, rival slash girlfriend in the first season of Young Sheldon and Annie Potts plays Young Sheldon's grandma Uh, Annie Potts' daughter
1: plays Young Sheldon's mom huh? No, I had that wrong.
0: Yes, yeah, you did. I had that
1: way wrong. Never mind. Don't listen to me.
0: <laughs> I was it, trying to figure out your... It you was were...
1: Sheldon's mom in Big Bang Theory.
0: Is the mother of... Was the
1: mother of the yes. young Sheldon. That's right. I got to make that. Never mind. I'm...
0: Yeah. I'm making things up now. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Phoebe arrives at the house and immediately she realizes something is off and quickly figures out that the house is haunted. And Phoebe, we're shown really early on that she's she's strange. Um, it never names her as being autistic or anything like that, but she's different. And
1: definitely on the spectrum.
0: I, I really feel like her experience, McKenna Grace's experience working on young Sheldon set her up for this yeah. because she's basically playing young Sheldon yeah. uh, as Phoebe uh, but uh, they find out that there is a ghost who seems to be friendly in the house um, and very quickly she figures out that the ghost is her grandfather Egon uh, when she finds his old hideout and
1: yeah.
0: um, and they find all the old equipment, and because she's really handy, they are able to get it up and working. Uh, so, as she's exploring, she finds a ghost trap uh, the ghost trap that Egon had hidden right before he died. Uh, she takes it into uh, Mr. Gary at school and he promptly powers it up and sets the ghost free. And it's one of the terror hounds from the first Ghostbusters. Um, and what precedes, uh, what, what comes, what follows, not precedes, what follows all of this is, uh, is a big, big adventure throughout the town. All, all of this is happening while Trevor is trying to pursue a girl he meets at the local drive-in. Uh he's got a job working with her, uh pursuing her, uh lying about his age in the process. Yeah. And uh and Phoebe makes a friend podcast. It's <laughs> what he calls himself, uh, because he has a podcast. Yeah. Uh and I love I love that there's a character who his just the same as his nickname is the one thing anyone knows about him. Yeah, he's got a podcast. A podcast. Yeah,
1: and he and he points to Phoebe when he her, tells her his name, and she's like, "Um, she's like, oh, who calls you podcast? Oh, I do." Yeah, <laughs>
0: he, gave he, he gave himself the <laughs> nickname. Um, and then I really like throughout the. Movie people are like saying, "Hey, maybe you need to lighten up and tell a joke." And so she does these really great one-liners that are bad dad jokes, but they're funny. Yeah. Um, especially because the timing is is so perfect. And so let's see here. I'm trying to. Duh, 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 duh. Uh, they find. Uh, they fire up all the uh, the one proton pack that they've got. Uh, In the meantime, Trevor's fixing up the old Ecto-1 and they find uh, a ghost that's name is Muncher. Um, Yeah,
1: when he first made his appearance, I thought it
0: was was Slimer or Slimy? Slimer. Slimer. So, I think just based on watching this movie and how many tropes from follow-up Ghostbusters movies that they avoided, I think they intentionally didn't include Slimer in this, because he's been in everything Ghostbusters Yeah. since the first movie. He's in Ghostbusters, excuse me, Ghostbusters 2, he's in the TV show, he's in the 2016 reboot, and at after a while, it, it feels like you're just putting stuff in to put it in. Yeah,
1: so they went in a different direction. And, I, I appreciate that. And so they went
0: with Muncher, who's a similar character, yeah. but... He serves a purpose in that this is a ghost that eats metal. Yes. Um, And that comes into play a little later. But what I really appreciate is Podcast and Phoebe and Trevor all get into this adventure of Trevor's driving the Ecto-1 and he picks up Phoebe. Phoebe's testing out the the proton pack and they find out that the Ecto-1 has a gunner seat and they (laughs) start chasing... Muncher around town and trying to catch him and destroy half the town. They destroy half the town (laughs) and they're trying to catch uh, Muncher with a remote control ghost trap. And it's really, really fun. It's a really good action sequence. And eventually, uh, all this happens. Uh, Gary kind of likes Callie, uh, Phoebe, and Trevor's mom. And so. Uh, they're out on a date in the meantime the kids get arrested and taken to jail and uh and Bokeem Woodbine is in this movie as the town sheriff and it made me so happy he was in the, in the movie because he has great comedic timing and uh he still also manages to have kind of a sinister seriousness to him uh so he's the town sheriff, and he's the father of of Trevor's love interest. Uh, I'm trying to what's her name? I oh, got to look it up. Oh. Why can't I find this? <laughs> sorry everybody. <laughs> This is why I take notes when I watch stuff at my house. Lucky, lucky, Lucky's her nickname. Lucky. All right. So Phoebe Trevor podcast and Lucky. Um, Lucky's father is the is the sheriff, played by Bokeem Woodbine, and. Phoebe's been doing all this research she knows that her grandfather was a ghostbuster so she's given her chance for one phone call and Bokeem Woodbine gets to give the give the line who you gonna call (laughs) and uh, and she calls the 555 number from the movie and she gets a hold of Ray Stantz played by Dan Aykroyd and as soon as Dan Aykroyd got on the screen, I was like, oof. Man, you guys have gotten old. I
1: mean when you go from nineteen eighty-five to twenty twenty.
0: Yeah, I know, but but still there's remember, the the most recent thing I've watched with any of these men in it is those movies. Yeah, and that's so I'm saying. And so uh it's I love Dan Aykroyd. I love Bill Murray. I I love, uh, uh, crap. Why am I forgetting Winston's actor's name? Guys, this is why you don't get old. Uh, Ernie Hudson. I love all these guys, but they are not Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford can go thirty years between Indiana <laughs> Jones or thirty years between Star I Wars, to Wars you movies, say. <laughs> and. And sure, he's got a little bit more gray and runs a little slower, but he's still Harrison Ford. I mean, yeah. he he might be slightly older and crustier, but he's still Indiana Jones. Yeah,
1: I know. When he came on last night, and I leaned over to you, and I was like, "Is that Indiana?"
0: Yeah, uh, he is. He is considerably heavier and wrinklier, um, but. He answers the phone, and when Phoebe says it's about uh, Egon Spengler, uh, Ray says Egon Spangler can rot in hell. And she follows up with, well, he died last week. Yeah. And Ray winces at that. And he gives the exposition that we need on catching up from most recent Ghostbusters movie to this timeline Ghostbusters 2 to now and that's business started falling off for the Ghostbusters after the initial two movies and Winston started going a little nuts talking about end of the world type stuff and off in Oklahoma and in the middle of the night he took all the equipment and the Ecto-1 and left and peaced out on, on everyone and it basically left a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Yeah. To where everyone, everyone hated Winston. Or Winston. Egon. Egon. Yeah. Everybody loved Winston. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in a bit. Um, we find out that uh, Peter went into advertising. We find out that Ray still runs Ray's at Cold Books, which is a little hole in the wall bookstore from Ghostbusters 2. Uh, And Winston became an international, like, businessman. And the Ghostbusters are are no more, effectively. And something I forgot to mention earlier is when Gary sees, uh, Paul Rudd sees the ghost trap, uh, he knows exactly what it is. And it's this fun thing in the universe that, People who were alive in the 80s know about the ghost incident yeah. in New York. The kids
1: had no clue what it was.
0: Yeah, none of the kids know. And it's it, it's really interesting. It, it reminds me of the things that seem so big in our world, in our lifetime, that kids who weren't alive or maybe weren't conscious at the time either don't think of or it's something from a book. And in some cases, maybe there are people who were like, oh, it was it was just a hoax. But like things like the Rodney King trial or um, 9-11 or the many times that we were in Afghanistan or Iraq, uh, even before 9-11 to after 9-11, it, it's stuff that people don't think about because it's old news i mean we've got new stuff to to think about i mean there's a new marvel movie let's let's talk about that or there's a new crisis so let's focus on that and so it's interesting that in this world kids today unless they do a deep dive they they really don't care or or know. um but it happened it's it's uh, a lot of theories going around where people would have thought that it was that's that's the one thing that's really weird in Ghostbusters 2 is they saved New York and people, like, completely forgot about it. Well, in this, no. They, they know something happened, but the world's moved on.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, so, Ray hangs up the phone with her. Well, the sheriff hangs up the phone. Yeah, her time was up. And parents come uh, Callie comes picks up picks up her daughter her son uh, and podcast gets them out of jail and, and then
1: the police confiscate all their stuff
0: and yeah they get, back. they get it all taken into lockup and basically it's it's the low point in the movie it's the point in the movie where the the gang is kind of got their head low. This this is their lowest point. Um, Callie's mad at her kids. She's she's really mad that Phoebe can't just seem to be normal, and Phoebe's mad because she's never really connected with her mom, but she seems to be connecting with her ghostly grandfather. Yeah. Uh, it's important to note that. Um, Egon appears at the very beginning of the movie in silhouette, uh, and doesn't appear again until the end of the movie in in any form. It's it's an invisible presence throughout yeah. the movie. Um, it's moving chess pieces, or moving lamps. To, you know, yeah. And... Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to see what what I'm missing here. Uh, so later on after all this goes on they figure out the center of all this is the mine they go to the mine uh they don't have any ghost busting equipment uh but they arrive and they find that uh egon had set up some effectively traps and uh automatic uh proton packs that would they're these Creatures or, or, or souls, spirits that that come up from out of the mine, and it zaps them back down. Because as it rises up, it's setting up the return of Gozer from the first Ghostbusters movie. And simultaneously, when all of this happens, uh, the body of Ivo Shandor and his crystal uh, and his crystal thing uh, seems to. Uh, Uh, wake up as well I just looked at our recording device and we are recording beyond what we normally do so we're going to take a quick break uh, then we'll finish up the plot for Ghostbusters Afterlife And we're back, and just in time To talk about some of the biggest Product placement in the movie uh, A whole scene that takes place In a Walmart yes. So after uh, after dropping off Callie at, and the kids At their haunted house uh, Paul Rudd uh, goes off To, uh, I'm just going to call him Paul Rudd because he's Paul Rudd um, He is 2021 Sexiest Man Alive, so just so you know and he, he's, someone asked him what he was going to do with that. And he said, oh, I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. Uh, so uh, Paul Rudd goes to Walmart um, and he's going and he's collecting ice cream and all the stuff to make himself just a, yeah, I didn't get to go home with the girl. So I'm going to go home and I'm going to put myself in a diabetic coma and so we see the stave puff marshmallows as he's walking by and they start coming to life as little stave puff marshmallow men uh they're so cute they are cute (laughs) as they murder themselves in horrific ways um but then we see the uh the first of the terror hounds like head deep in a, a, a dog food bag and it chases Paul Rudd down and uh, Paul Rudd, come to find out, is going to be uh, the equivalent of Rick Moranis in this movie yeah. and gets to be the Keymaster. Uh, Callie has similar thing happen to her uh, where another terror hound gets her and she is, uh, she is the gatekeeper. I might have this backwards. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Kids get back... Uh, to the house just in time to see callie uh fully possessed um saying there is no mom only Zul. uh she tries to attack one of the kids tries to uh make out with another one uh and they make a joke about it in the same way that she started hitting on pete uh Sigourney Weaver started hitting on uh, Bill Murray in the first movie. Uh, as she starts to kind of make eyes at the at podcast, <laughs> they kind of break her gaze, and she as uh, she sees the the specters around the mine taking off, she jumps out the window and runs off towards it. Uh, we get to the one scene in the movie that broke the movie for me, to where I was like, oh, okay, this is silly. Um, And it's the point where the gatekeeper and the key master meet each other. And uh, in the original Ghostbusters, Sigourney Weaver dipped uh, uh, Rick Moranis and and made out with him. Uh, In this, Paul Rudd and... I'm just going to call her Callie because I'm blanking on her name. Guys, it's been a long day. I'm I'm not at my usual IMDb trivia self. Um, but they talk to each other in dog before they <laughs> before they make out and fall out of frame. Uh-huh. Um, but in the meantime, the kids go to the jail because they've got to get the equipment. Uh, when they get to the jail, they're trying to figure out how to to get the equipment out and podcast has the bright idea to use the ghost trap with muncher inside opens it muncher bites through the the lockup cage holding all their stuff they're able to get it back uh and the kids take off to the mountain to to take on uh the ghosts they arrive in time to see effectively the climax of the original ghostbusters uh with uh Callie and Paul Rudd turning into the terror hounds and Gozer the Gozerian arriving. Uh, Gozer in this movie played by uh, Olivia Wilde. Um, Olivia Wilde from Tron Legacy. Also House. How is she on House? uh, She's in later seasons. She takes over. Yeah, she takes over for uh, What's Her Name when she leaves. Um, but I, I know that helped you so much. Yeah, my God. Um, but anyhow <laughs> sorry. Um this uh this time I, I found the Gozer character a lot more interesting, mainly because they, uh, because Gozer doesn't identify as male or female. Um Gozer is more of a presence than in the first movie, where Gozer is around for I want to say thirty seconds, maybe a minute, um, and then disappears. And the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man arrives. And this, uh, her in in the original movie, the costume is like a lace like um, ballet onesie. In, in this it seems more like it's almost a bone and viscera kind of outfit and uh, Ivo Shandor wakes up and and is like oh I'm so happy to see you I, I just asked to, to be by your side and Gozer just rips him in half <laughs> uh, it's the one scene that earned a PG-13 in this movie yeah. <laughs> um but uh what's really great is at this moment in the movie I was trying to figure out how they were going to handle the showdown um, and some, something I really enjoy about movies is trying to figure outsmart the movie figure it out before it gets to it how how would I get the characters out of the situation Yeah. and I have to hand it to the writing team the way they handled it was really good. A, a lazy way to handle it would have been, Oh, the kids do exactly what the adults did in the first movie. Instead, uh, McKenna Grace, uh, Phoebe walks up and says, uh, a, a few jokes to Gozer, uh, to get Gozer's attention while they're setting things up. Uh, maneuvering a ghost trap under one of the terror hounds and uh Gozer eventually locks eyes with Phoebe and says um, are you ready to die? Are you here to
1: sacrifice yourself?
0: Are you ready are you here to sacrifice yourself? Uh, are you here to sacrifice yourself? Are you ready to die? And Phoebe looks right at her and goes, No, I'm twelve. <laughs> Are you? And then they fire the ghost trap and it it sucks the ghost out of uh, the terror hound and it frees Callie. She's able to run. The kid we get a great chasing where they're running from that splits gozer into like a more vicious spirit version. Mm -hmm. And we figure out what happened at the beginning of the movie is Egon had apparently captured one of the terror hounds and separated it from Gozer and Gozer came after Egon. Um, and so we get to this point. They're on the run. They're headed back to the house. They figured out that the house is one giant ghost trap. Yeah. Uh, and we get a cat cat and mouse game that leads to the farm. They arrive at the farm. And it's just like the beginning of the movie. They try to they try to trap Gozer when Gozer arrives. And the power dies. And at this point, all hope seems lost. Everything's going sideways. And the original Ghostbusters show up.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh they're fighting gozer uh, eventually lucky is turned into a terror hound in place of callie and uh again there are a few times in this even after the original ghostbusters arrive, where where hope seems lost and then they all team up and uh trevor finn wolfhard uh fires his proton pack at the capacitors for the ghost traps powering them up all the Ghostbusters uh, original Ghostbusters are firing their proton packs at Gozer so is Phoebe and then so is Egon so is Harold Ramis and I start crying Uh oh also earlier in the movie Callie goes to the uh, I forgot to mention He's, the first time I cried in the movie. Um, yeah. Kelly goes down to Egon's lab and one of the things she noticed when they got to his house is he had no pictures of family anywhere. Gets down to his lab and he has all kinds of pictures of her and I start crying. Yeah. Um, and this point where Egon is in ghost form standing next to his friends and they're all fighting Gozer. Um, I tears are just running down my face at this point and uh eventually they they beat gozer or they're able to use the giant ghost trap that Egon had designed and uh I'm trying to I'm trying to recall this and and also not cry um everyone gets to have their goodbye um they're on screen goodbye with Harold Ramis. And I'm I'm almost bawling at this yeah. point in the movie. And there's a there's a moment, um, a, a little background, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis had a falling out during the making of Groundhog Day. Didn't talk until Harold Ramis' deathbed. Um and there is a moment where they had been best friends before that. There is a moment where Bill Murray and the CGI creation of Harold Ramis lock eyes, and that made me just, just like
1: weep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but there's this after, afterwards of of the fight, um, podcast introduces himself to Ray, and he's like he's like oh it's nice to meet you sir can i get an autograph he goes yeah he, he goes i've got a i've got a podcast and he describes it. he goes oh yeah i've listened to it he goes you're my listener <laughs> as in his singular listener and earlier he'd made a joke about yeah i feel like the podcast really finds its voice in the 46th episode and uh and Ray gives a callback to that. Yeah, I feel like your podcast really found itself in its forty-sixth episode. And um, the movie ends with uh, the ghost of Egon giving a hug to his grandchildren, and then and his daughter. He, then he goes to his daughter and he hugs her, and then disapparates. And I'm full on <laughs> yeah, crying. And then right then, it it pans up and says for uh, for Harold. And I'm done at this point. Yeah. And the movie fades out with the Ecto-1 uh, driving into New York with the title sequence. And we get a mid-credit scene and a post-credit scene. The the mid-credit scene is uh, <laughs> right after. So the movie goes through all its primary cast. Uh-huh. Uh, and it gives all the names. And then it says Sigourney Weaver. And I <laughs> went, what?
1: Yeah, Where I, was like- Sigourney
0: where was Sigourney? And right as I'm thinking the thought, where was Sigourney Weaver? And Betsy says out loud, Sigourney Weaver was in this? <laughs> Sigourney Weaver pops up on the screen. She's in an apartment. Her and Peter Venkman are living together. And it is it is a callback to the first scene with Peter Venkman in the first Ghostbusters. Yeah where she's holding up cards and he's strapped to an electrode and he keeps getting it right and she's interrogating him on why he keeps getting it right and she eventually says you marked these didn't you he goes yeah he goes i used to do this to pick up women and she just keeps shocking him over and over again and smiling and and she goes you're good peter you're really good and then shocks him again It's a really sweet scene and they have such amazing chemistry together still, after all these years. Um, and the rest of the credits play out and then the end of of it, we actually get a deleted scene of Egon talking with Janine and, uh, him handing her an old coin and her still having it. Yeah. And, um, something i was remembering today actually i was listening to uh kind of funny's original ghostbusters in review and janine in the original ghostbusters before they go to fight gozer says i'm psychic about these things i'm afraid you're gonna die and in the grand scheme of things for that movie it's played for comedy But in the context of this movie, it's like, was she? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But she's sitting in uh, the headquarters of Winston's, like, financial empire. And uh, they're talking about what the Ghostbusters are. And and he's like, look, when I started out, I was just looking for a steady paycheck. He goes... But I'll always be a Ghostbuster. And Janine reveals that Winston has actually been paying the mortgage on Ray's bookstore for years. And Winston says, eh, "One day he'll turn a profit." Yeah. And he's been taking care of his friends for years. Yeah. And come to find out, I don't know if it's the same firehouse, but he has a firehouse. Yeah. That he takes the Ecto-1 to and the the last thing you see is the containment cell from from the first couple movies is glowing red yeah and then the movie ends and I gotta be honest I left this movie on such a high I simultaneously hope they make more of these and hope they never touch it again yeah because it was such a good ending I don't know how you go back and do any justice to this without doing something completely different.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I had such such a such a good time. I can't wait to watch this again. When when it comes becomes purchasable, it will be a day one purchase for me. Yes. Um It was so good. I really, really, really enjoyed it. It, It was surprisingly heartwarming. It was funny where it needed to be funny. Um, I just... I really like this. I really, really like this movie. I was surprised how much I liked it. And it was not what I was expecting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what I was expecting going into it outside of knowing it was Ghostbusters,
0: and I love Ghostbusters. I was super excited about it. I was not disappointed. Yeah, this it was so good. This was a fun movie. This was a, a good movie. It was a good adventure movie. Um I I felt I felt like this accomplished the same things that uh the Jumanji reboot accomplished yeah. a few years back, but it somehow was a stronger film yeah. and I think Jason Reitman's direction really really allows for that to happen because Jason Reitman um, directed Juno he's directed a bunch of most of what he does is, is talking movies uh, they're movies about people who have conversations and the conflict they have is here in in between you and me talking and having a disagreement and that plays really well in this movie Um, they're really, really, even some heart-wrenching scenes between McKenna Grace and, uh, why am I forgetting her name? Um, Carrie Coon, Carrie Coon, fantastic (laughs) in season three of Fargo. Um, Carrie Coon and, uh, McKenna Grace have such great back and forth as mother and daughter in this film. It just works really, really well. Mm -hmm. The casting, the directing, they used the original Ghostbusters just enough. Uh, they're in this movie for maybe a total of five yeah. minutes. Six max. Yeah. But they're used perfectly. And I, uh, I think it's all I could have ever wanted or hoped for. Uh, and then some. Yeah. So uh, I hope I didn't ruin it. For you if you're still listening And if I If if you've heard my enthusiasm For it I would encourage you to go see it This is is one worth seeing in theaters Especially Dolby The Dolby mix was fantastic Um, So That's all I got time for Or the voice for tonight My voice is starting to (laughs) feel a little froggy Guys thank you so much I hope you have a great week Next week we're going to be back on Spider-Man With (laughs) Uh, 2012's Amazing Spider-Man um as we get closer to Christmas we may be a little bit more irregular we may have to double up on some movies some weeks if we get out of order uh in that case don't worry we'll cover everything as we get closer to Spider-Man No Way Home we'll be some of the first in line to buy tickets on Cyber Monday um really excited Uh, they have verified more characters that are appearing in that film that I will not spoil if you have not seen the latest trailer Um, but guys thanks so much for sticking around with us I hope you enjoyed this week's episode Um, if so please leave a five star review on your podcast service of choice and uh, if you didn't enjoy it uh, maybe forget about us and find something better to listen to Uh, but thanks so much guys Hope you'll be back next week. Hope you keep enjoying your favorite things.
1: Bye.